Welcome to the We Love Arabian Horses podcast, where every week we bring you an interview from someone who loves these horses, from historians and breeders to insiders and professionals, all brought to you by those who love the Arabian horse. Thanks for listening. This is Paul Costa with the We Love Arabian Horses podcast, and we're thrilled today to have Laura Ames here with us. Hello, Laura. Hi, Paul. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you for being here. I know we're all getting ready to go to U.S. Nationals 2023, and everybody's excited, and we're thrilled to have you on our podcast again. Laura, why don't we do a little brief update for everybody, just for those that don't know about your long history in the breed and your family's multi-generational breeding program. Just give us a couple tidbits about that. <laughs> I'm starting to feel my age, so my family were celebrating uh, 53 years in the Arabian horse industry. Wow. And uh, I grew up in it, in a farm in Jordan, Minnesota, and I have been a part of it since I've been a little girl with showing, breeding, and now owning the Arabian Horse Times. Well, just for those that don't know, Laura is the publisher and owner of the Arabian Horse Times and and, uh, the owner for many years, um, decades really, of Cedar Ridge Arabians with your family and such a long history of y'all's dedication and commitment to the breed so thank you from me and we love raving horses to you and your family thank you thank you for all you well, do yeah we're thrilled i mean we've got a lot of folks in the business that are very committed to the breed and the growth of the breed and let's talk a little bit about how we can all work together better in the breed and the organizations that are all involved you you have a lot of thoughts on that share a little bit about working together better i think we all you know, I, people say the best asset of the Arabian breed is the versatility, and maybe the worst asset is the versatility because people come to the Arabian breed for so many different, if it's for the performance end of it, the trail end of it, the endurance, the halter. So we get all walks of life, and that can sometimes get in the way because we all get on our own agenda of what we think is best for the breed and what I think is best for the breed might not be what somebody else thinks is best for the breed. Um, But I think we're at times that it's super crucial that we come together as a breed and try to do what's best for the breed um, and continuing forward. uh, So we get more people breeding horses, get more people involved in the industry. I think it's a super crucial time. One thing that I've noticed with our efforts with We Love Arabian Horses is there's so many people that are, you know, we kind of call them grassroots, but they have Arabian horses and they're involved with their horse and maybe they go to the parades and do local stuff, but they're really not showing. But they're a huge community of people out there, and I think the more we get them involved in what's going on in the breed, whether they show or not, it's it's an enormous amount of folks that are Arabian horse lovers all over everywhere. I just keep meeting new ones every single day. Yeah, and you're exactly right on that. You know, there's um, the people that are involved that maybe don't do it um, at the show horse level, but there's people that love Arabian horses, or you'll see it on social media. They post that they owned a horse 20 years ago and how much they still follow and pay attention to the Arabian horses. So, yes, I agree. Well, one thing that we have talked a little bit about is is how to decrease the the showing amount amount of showing time at each horse show so that the horse show days aren't so long. We've got so many classes; it's really a conundrum. And I'm curious: do you have any thoughts on how we could have a little more fun and have a little more free time to people get there to 
the owners and exhibitors to, to have more fun with their friends. You know, that that's again, that's the life or death of us because there's those people that want a class for everything. And then there's those that are doing it more from an entertainment standpoint. But myself personally, I feel like, you know, most people are taking vacation time to come and attend these shows <clears throat> and we can't burn them out. Like, obviously, if the horse show starts at eight o'clock in the morning and it goes till 10 o'clock at night, and they're there all day, and we'll just use the summertime, the middle of the heat, we'll say midsummer. Those are super long days. That's 10 days at a horse show. And they come home from the show exhausted and look at all the money they spent. And I think that's where we run into issues that, you know, people are leaving the breed for other sources of entertainment. And that's where we got to get back to making it fun. But that's where we as an industry have to come together and in my opinion, reduce the number of classes we're offering. There's just way too many classes. Like, you know, it gets back to the Class A shows. I mean, you could even go before that. I, You know, there's the – in Minnesota they have uh, – I can't think of what the name of them call, are called, but they're really well attended these community shows is what they're called, and they get great attendance at them, and the people are having a great time. And so I think it's going back to those community shows, the Class A shows, the regionals, and then nationals. In my opinion, nationals should not be for all of us to go show at because when I started in it, I started out, um, you know, showing at the Class A shows, and then I worked my way up to regionals, and then I went to nationals. But I showed for a lot, a lot of years before I went to nationals, and now you hear people, you know, they ride one or two years, and they're at nationals, like, where else could you go do something like that and go compete at a national level? Well, we do have a lot of classes which we need to ser- service the industry, and yet it's almost too many. So you kind of got a, uh, you know, chicken or egg situation, like which comes first, and we've got to narrow it down a little bit, I think, and I don't know how to do that. And that's where we, I think we have to come, all walks of life in the Arabian industry have to come together um, and hear all sides of it spoken, you know, because if I'm just with the performance people, I'm going to hear one bit. If I'm just with the halter people, I'm going to hear one bit. If I'm with the working Western people, I'm going to hear one bit. If you're with the endurance type people, you're going to hear one bit. And the sport horse people, everybody's got their own opinion, but I still think the most important opinion, and on certain levels, you maybe don't hear about it as much, but is the expense of it. But you've got to ask yourself when these trainers and yourself are going out on the road and the help and it's a 10 day show that means they're probably gone for probably 15 to 16 days at that horse show you're paying for people to eat out you're paying for lodging and then taking help away from home and so it's just the expense it gets so expensive that we just have to come together as an industry and discuss it and what are we going to do to make it more fun to get the value back, you know, like I said, I think I was saying earlier on a top 10, you know, there's a lot of ways you can win a top 10 at nationals. And back in the day when I was a kid, you just showed in, you showed in cuts to make it to the finals. There wasn't all the age divisions. There was just 17 and under and 18 and over. And you just showed until you, you just hopefully could that's keep right. advancing on in the sections. I personally liked it that way. Cause that's how I grew up. And it seemed like the numbers were excellent. And, you had something to strive for where 
nothing against it now, but we offer a lot, a lot of classes. And when you offer all those classes, for example, say Scottsdale used to be they only had morning and afternoon classes. And then everybody had these free evenings. Well, now the shows go into the evenings. The show days have gotten, or there's more show days at the show. Just everything gets longer. So by the time you get to the end of the show, you're just flat exhausted. Well, one thing that has happened too is the, the cost of the show has gotten higher because the number of entries in some cases is lower. So these facilities can be expensive. And the facilities, as you know, have been going up in price quite a bit the last few years in particular. So the, the cost burden is getting further you know, out of reach for most people or many people. So that is a topic that is very relevant. And I know you and I had talked about the ranch riding and the sport horse, and there's such growing elements. I think one reason they're positive is because they're it's a lower point of entry. It doesn't cost they, as much. They money can do it on their started. own. Yeah, they can go do it on their own, and that is that's the biggest obstacle we're facing is the cost factor of of everything. And most, I was saying to you before we started the podcast here, just you know how the structure of AHA. Most people don't realize the structure, and why do we have you know, the 18 regionals that we do. But I think we're at a point, my gosh, you know, shows got to start. Regionals are going to have to combine together to survive or all these horse shows are never going to, never going to make it. Well, and like, like I said, uh, some of them are facing very expensive um, facility costs and it, it, it just, it has to get pushed on the exhibitor because the organizations that run them are all nonprofits. Um, either 501c3s or 501c5s, and they don't have the funding to pay for that, so they got to pass the cost along. So I think you're right. It would be great if some of the regionals could combine. I know 15 and 16 do their region together. It's not one combined show, but it's on the combined weekend, and they share the cost of that facility, and maybe some other regions could do that. Have you thought about that? I would have to just say the last two years, live in Minnesota, Region 10 has been held at our state for your grounds, which I know is a very expensive facility to rent to sort of get grandfathered in your dates. But the way it's fallen the last few years, it's right on top of Region 9 and Region 11. So you can't do, you have to sort of pick and choose what you're going to do. You can't do all those shows because they fall on top of one another. And it's showing by the numbers. The numbers are way down. So there is a prime example of, you know, regional shows need to combine I also feel like in Minnesota, you know, we have the Minnesota Breeders and Region 10. I said it years ago. I thought maybe they should consider combining the shows, you know, the two shows together. And I guess neither party wanted to do that. But I just feel like we're at times where we have to consider doing some of those things, I think. Some of those things, too, in in the past they've talked about, and I'm talking about AHA has talked about combining regions like having fewer regionals, but maybe maybe if we just have fewer regional shows instead of fewer regions, you know, the regions are all legal entities, and it gets a little hard to get the regions to combine themselves. But maybe if the regional shows were combined, that would solve the problem without forcing the 18 regions to have to redo their, you know, charter and legal documents. Sure. No, I, I mean, every yeah, I would agree with that. They just have to figure out a way to work together to get the job to get the job done and get it done, you know, right. And again, it's working together. That's the whole key to it all is working working together. They have to remember their volunteers. So many people that do this, 
they're volunteering their time to do this. And, you know, when they get, when volunteers get beat up all the time, they they get a chip on their shoulder about it, understandably, too. Yeah, they can find something else to do with their time, and they don't mm-hmm. need to volunteer. Well, we're trying to spur more volunteers. We're trying to spur more outreach events, um, in the individuals who are connected to their clubs, some and some not. They can be in their local communities and do more fun outreach programs. And like you were talking about, the fun day shows and Minnesota, I know, has that circuit up there that's very successful, and there's others around the country that are also very successful. We have a whole bunch of these mostly ladies with kids, and they go to the fun day shows near their home and the 4-H and the county fair, and they have a blast, and they really enjoy it, and that's really bringing it home for them, and it's a lower cost for them to do that, and they may advance up to the Class A level at some point or not but they're having a great time with their Arabian horse and giving their kid an education in the meantime. I think there's a lot of benefits of that. And I agree. Yeah, there is. There's a lot, a lot of benefits. You go in Jordan, the town I live in, or the farm is located. They have our Scott County fair is there and it's a big draft horse show because we have draft horses. So obviously I go there and I watch, but you go look at some of those, uh, the 4-H and then the community shows that they do there the barrel racing my god they show barrel racing they start early in the morning and there might be 50 or 60 kids competing in it doing their runs and you know that's it's just them against the clock right (laughs) and they're just having a good time doing it it's most important that i think people got to have a good time at doing it if they're going to spend this kind of money well one thing switching topics a little bit we talked a little bit about his qualifications you know, and qualifications have changed a little bit the last few years and kind of, I think, at the beginning of COVID changed in particular. But where do you think we are on qualifications and how could that be adjusted? People maybe not agree with me on this one, but I like it best when we didn't have any qualifications because um, you look at the COVID times and numbers and maybe it had something to do with people wanting to get out and doing something. But the reason I don't feel like we have qualifications is because I don't know anybody that has a show horse that doesn't like to go to horse shows and show or compete. I don't care what level you compete at, you're still going to go show. And so I feel like we need to just follow. And again, it's where we come together. What's the opinion? We don't. I don't know that we do a good enough job doing surveys asking people what they want. And that's, I mean, I'm only speaking on my behalf, but I don't. I don't know what the general public thinks, but I, I know on my behalf, I think that it's it's sort of silly. Like I look at a horse this year I had that's won quite a bit. She was qualified to show at nationals, and I she was out breeding most of the first part of the show season. She wasn't qualified to show at regionals, but I was qualified to show at nationals. So in fear of getting her hurt, I just show, I'm going to show her at nationals and I never showed her at a show all year because I wasn't qualified for a regional. That seems silly if you're qualified to show at nationals, but you're not qualified to show at a regional. Right. I know that the qualification topic is kind of sensitive and you mentioned your opinion might be controversial and the other side of the opinion is you level up and you got to go to your class A to get qualified to go to regionals and then you level up to go to nationals. And I think there's a kind of a strong argument for both sides of that coin and I think you're right I like your opinion on that um but I also and I can agree with that oh yeah I can agree with that point of view but it's got to make sense like we got to start helping these 
these little shows and give people a reason to go to them, you know. I just look at, you look at most horse shows were down this year, right? Numbers, I don't think there was very few regionals that were up this year. And if you lived in Ohio, you'd only go to one facility. You'd just go to every horse show at the World Equestrian Center there. So I think that's just the deal. It depends where these horse, the horse shows that are in areas where they got a really nice facility, they're probably thriving. Other shows, they're struggling. You know, it's a struggle to get people to them. But I can see that's where I said we just got to ask the general public what their opinion would be because I'm also, I could be easily persuaded to think leveling should be working too. And then it gets back to the true meaning of what is a class A show, what is a regional, and what is a national. But I, I, I just think that we need to ask the general public and have a good survey of what they think is best. Right, and well-constructed survey, and one that gets the opinions of all of our people, whether they show or they don't show, would probably be really helpful for. I think it's most important to get the people that aren't doing it anymore. Why did they leave? You know, why did they opt to do something else? No, that's a good point, and I think a very important voice would come from that crowd. They're very um, advocates of. They're very large advocates of Arabian horses. Um, they're just not in the show ring, and that's completely fine. There's a lot of things to do with Arabian horses that have nothing to do with the show ring, and that would stimulate our breed a, uh, quite a bit. Correct. I agree with you. Well, Laura, is there any other comments you have? I know there's a lot coming up here with the Nationals and then the Keystone and any other topics that you want to cover? No, I just it's a busy time of the year for a lot of people. A lot of things happen at the end of the year. Um I want to give a shout out to the Canadian group. They did, I wasn't there, but I know you were there. And all I keep hearing is amazing things from that show. And that's an event where I believe people just go have a really good time. And um, so kudos to them and just everybody, good luck and safe travels um, to nationals. And uh, just point out the, not only the bad you see, point out the good. Because again, those people are volunteering their time and they're getting beat up on everything they hear, you know, they're doing wrong. So tell them when they do something right too, because there's got to be something right. And if people, all they see is negativity, why would they want to be a part of it? There's got to be a reason we like to do it. So we got to start spreading the word why why we love it. <laughs> well, we're kind of back to work, working together. And I saw your post this morning um, honoring the show commission for the U.S. Nationals. And what uh, what a very um, important thing to say and let them know how much everyone appreciates them. I'm, I'm glad you did that. And on the Can- Canadian show, they did a phenomenal job. I was there, and, you know, those folks up there, they're just happy to have a, the national championship again. And they, the show commission has really turned um, head over heels to produce a phenomenal show in a short amount of time, so kudos to them as well. We've got a lot of hardworking people behind the industry a lot of people that put in time or money or both, and those people are what really help make all these horse shows happen. So I appreciate your perseverance for um, thanking the volunteers and, and everyone that helps with these communities. No, I, I I love what I do every day. I guess I get up and do something. I've always said that. I get up every day and do something I love, and I couldn't imagine it any other way. I have met some amazing people, traveled the world, um, so but it's all based around the Arabian horse. So I, yeah, I just try, let's try to work on more positive versus all negative. Well, I appreciate that. And kind of the theme of this podcast is working together and I appreciate your points of view and we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you for your time today. Thank you. Have a good day, Paul. 
This is Austin, director of the We Love Arabian Horses podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, make sure you click subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Comments, questions, guest ideas? Feel free to send me an email at austin at weloverabianhorses.com or just use the contact button on our website at weloverabianhorses.com. 